0: grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus. Amen. The text for the sermon today is from the Gospel reading from Matthew chapter 18. I would draw your attention to these words. At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them, and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We all love children, especially when they're being really cute. Anyone who has had children or who's been around children can testify to the fact that children are just adorable. They're spontaneous, they're innocent, they're trusting. Some would say that their innocence to the ways of the world mean that they're not yet corrupted, that there is a childlike wisdom in the things that they say. Patrick, age 10, gave a word of wisdom. Never trust a dog to watch your food. Randy, nine years old, says, Stay away from prunes. An eight year old Eileen's word of wisdom is never try to baptize a cat. It's understood by advertisers that children have great influence in the home. These advertisers spend around $12 billion a year marketing products to children. G.K. Chesterton who is said to be one of the great writers of the 20th century, says that children are innocent and love justice, while most of us are wicked and naturally prefer mercy. It's been said that if children ruled the world, we'd all take more naps, we'd have instant friends, and we'd eat macaroni and cheese whenever we want. In short, children are innocent and trusting. They possess a simple wisdom and naivete, and people often aspire to have a childlike faith. Is it any wonder, then, that when the disciples ask Jesus who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven, he places a little child in front of them as a role model? But why a child? The classical world of antiquity placed a high value on reason. Children, then, were regarded as inferior because they're not guided by rational thinking. Being physically weak, subject to the will of adults, and susceptible to sickness, children were not to be admired. If children were to be praised, it might only be because of the potential they possessed for becoming something in the future. The general scholarly consensus seems to be that, in classical antiquity, children were not used as positive models for adults. So says Dr. Jeffrey Gibbs of the St. Louis Seminary. His point is that little children in that day were seen as having nothing and needing everything. Just ask any new parent who has to get up every two hours to answer the cries of their child children are completely dependent on others even for their very survival now the disciples viewed children as a nuisance and at the bottom of the social totem pole so it must have been quite astonishing to the disciples who are asking who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven to see Jesus look around and set a little child in front of them truly I say to you Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The question is in regards to who is the greatest. And maybe they were even asking which one of them was the greatest in the coming kingdom. Jesus seems to say that just to enter, one must turn and be like a child. And the key phrase here is that one must turn. As a little child is needy, so we must recognize that we are needy. As a little child is completely dependent on its parents, so we must be completely dependent on God. We must be the poor in spirit of the Beatitudes. And this is, as we saw last week, completely against our nature, the natural man, the old Adam within us. This nature, our sinful nature, doesn't see ourselves as needy, but instead it puffs us up, glancing to left and right and comparing ourselves to those around us, finding fault with this one and that one, and trying to gain the moral high ground. In this way, we are like a little child, but not an innocent one. We're like a child with chocolate smeared all over its face and fingertips, denying that we have eaten the candy bar. Or we make an excuse. My sister or my brother made me. I didn't get the chocolate down. I can't even reach the shelf. It's someone else's fault. Sometimes we're very convincing, even to ourselves. We are dissatisfied with this or that. We wish for, and we want, what we don't have. But we don't call it coveting. That would be a sin. We talk about others. We tell juicy tidbits about their lives. But we don't call it gossiping, because that's a pretty strong word. We don't tell the whole story. We leave out critical details, or we just fudge them a little to lessen our guilt in the matter. Or we embellish some details a little to enhance our position. But we don't call it lying. That would be wrong. Luther once said, original sin is in us at birth. Yet it is hidden to all the world, and our powers, our reasoning, and thinking do not reveal it, but rather obscure, defend, and excuse it. Truth be told, we don't want to be dependent on God. We prefer to depend on ourselves, to trust in our own flesh, trust in our own goodness. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And our flesh works pretty hard at deceiving itself. But it can't deceive God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Sin is a big deal. Our sin cuts us off from God and means eternal death. Jesus says it's so devastating that we should cut off the offending member of our body. A hand, a foot, an eye. The problem is, sin is in our mind and in our heart. What's the answer for us? How can we escape God's judgment and wrath? How can we ever enter let alone be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, Turn and become like a little child. Turn. Repent. Stop relying on yourself and become completely and utterly dependent on God's grace. Dr. Gibbs says, To become like children means to repent of pride. Acknowledge one's abject need for God's grace and look to Christ for salvation. John writes, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is what Jesus means when He places that little child in the midst of the disciples. They had asked what it meant to be greatest in the kingdom of God. Jesus answered that the greatest in the kingdom is one who turns to repentance, who acknowledges their absolute and utter need for God's grace. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with His gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. THE HOLY SPIRIT HAS CALLED US BY THE GOOD NEWS THAT JESUS CHRIST HUMBLED HIMSELF AND BECAME A MAN AND ALLOWED THE SINS OF THE WORLD TO BE PLACED ON HIS SHOULDERS. HE WAS CUT OFF FOR OUR SAKE. HE WAS FORSAKEN BY GOD, SUFFERING THE PUNISHMENT FOR OUR SIN. HE GAVE HIS LIFE AS A RANSOM, WAS BURIED IN THE TOMB, AND ON EASTER MORNING HE ROSE VICTORIOUS FROM THAT GRAVE. The debt you owed for lying, for coveting, for gossiping, for dishonoring your parents and putting other gods before the one true God, that debt has been paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has called us to new life now. He has called us to a life of utter dependence on Him and His grace. John also writes see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are. Why did God love us so that he sent his son? Was it because we're like children so adorable and innocent and cute? We know that's not why. We were enemies of God, dead in our trespasses and sins. But God is love. It's love that moved him to send his Son for our salvation. And it's love that says, Turn and become a child, and by my grace enter into the kingdom of heaven. In the name of Jesus. Amen.